Welcome to Manage Tools. The Manage Tools Onboarding Checklist, Part 2. Here we go. This cast answers these questions. Should I use a checklist for onboarding tasks? What tasks do I need to include in my onboarding plan? How long should onboarding take? Well, if you want answers to these questions and more, keep listening. Folks, our onboarding checklist cast, which you're about to listen to, is uh, supported, as always, by written show notes that if you're a licensee, you can download so you can read the show rather than listen to it. But in this case, there's something extra. We have created the 250-plus line spreadsheet, which we're going to walk you through on this cast. We'll explain the why of the checklist, and then we'll walk you through the entire cast. Obviously, we'll give you enough information if you're not a licensee in order to reconstruct the spreadsheet. But if you're a licensee, we're going to give you the entire spreadsheet, all 250 tasks, information to put in the name and the offer date and the acceptance date and the start date, and have that through formulas create deadlines for all of those tasks and be able to tell you if you're red, amber, or green on any task as every day goes by. It allows you to delegate. It allows you to monitor. It allows you to measure. It allows you to update. And that's available to licensees. If you're one of our many hundreds of thousands, even millions of listeners every month, and you're not a licensee, it only costs $200 a year. It is an extremely popular product, and it's a part of a way you can give back to the Manager Tools mission of making every manager in the world effective. So become a licensee. That's part of why this cast exists. So let's get to the actual task list itself. Okay. So all of this tells us, we managers, we need a checklist. Yeah, it'd be pretty bad if we talked about all this and said, oh, no, but there's yeah. no checklist. So, by the way, you should put one together. That'd yeah, put one together. And there's probably like 258 or, or more tasks. Good luck. We should have <laughs> released this on April Fool's. Oh, and then delivered the checklist the next day. Oh, the seat. I'm not creative enough. I'm just not creative enough. Okay. There you go. And, and look, again, I mentioned this before. You need it, but you don't have time to put it together. And I felt that way as Wendy and I were putting together the the checklist, the guts of the checklist, the spreadsheet. It felt like, wow, people are not going to have to do this and they could just, they can stand on our shoulders. I don't think of myself as a giant, but if you stand on our shoulders and you're better because of it, God bless you, sir or ma'am. I'm, th- I'm thrilled. That's exactly what, you know, what, what's that line? Uh, what were you put on earth to do if not to help one another through? Okay, so we've created a spreadsheet. Again, if you're a licensee, you can get a spre- get the spreadsheet. If you're not, you can't. And guys, to us, this is a, the amount of hours we put in creating the spreadsheet. It's a little bit like our interviewing series. For those of you who don't know, we started this show 13 years ago. This month, actually. Uh, we're recording this in June of 2018. And uh, it wasn't until, I think, a, two years later, 2007, that we started asking for the community to buy licenses to get our copies of show notes, which I've been writing for a couple of years. And in addition, we offered our interviewing series of podcasts, which at the beginning was only 20 podcasts, has now grown to between 50 and 60, I think, about how to be interviewed. And it's one of our most popular products at 150 bucks for a one-time purchase. But the uh, inaugural licensees all got as an incentive, the interviewing series. And we generally don't 
provide the interviewing service to somebody who just asks for it because it's a product. You don't walk into Apple store and say, can I have an iPhone? Sure. No problem. Good luck with that. Same thing here. Um, we spent enough time on the checklist and it's got enough formatting, enough formulas and so on. It's pretty well turnkey folks. I've used it in a mock-up situation and it's really cool. The green, amber, red functionality is pretty great. Now look, there are 250, actually more than that, tasks in it, but please don't panic. You'll be able to eliminate a lot of those tasks that don't apply to you, or you may choose not to use them. But the old saying, one person's treasure is another person's trash. We created what we thought of as a master checklist so that any one of our listeners could cull down our master list into their list because it's Guys, it's way easier to take something off while seeing things you didn't think of and are glad to have, again, than to create your own list from scratch. So we've created the spreadsheet. We put in all the formulas based on offer date and acceptance date and first day on the job. We created the conditional formatting to turn cells red and amber or green. And I will say, if I haven't already said it, if you've never seen that in a spreadsheet, if spreadsheets are really just numbers or as some people like to use them as Word documents as well, because you just like Excel's functionality and everybody's got their their thing, right? Um, if you've never seen it in a spreadsheet and you open a spreadsheet every morning and it tells you what's green, what's done, and what's red, and what's amber, what, and, and generally speaking, you should be in the amber phase, which is working on things that are due in the next three days. And if you're a manager watching other people do it, you open it up and you see who went red yesterday. And now you know who to talk to. Now, at a high level, there are a bunch of tabs in this spreadsheet, okay? The checklist tab is what you'll use most regularly, but it starts out with an instruction tab, which tells you how to enter the core data that will drive each onboarding, the name of the new hire, the date of offer, start date, and so on. And those dates, by the way, will cause other dates to be populated in the string of tasks that you've got to get a candidate into a new hire, into an effective hire status. Again, the checklist tab, which is colored differently, is the one you'll use most regularly. It has all the tasks in it. Again, some of which you'll probably delete for your situation. There's a welcome packet tab where you can add to our pre-populated list of items you'll need to put in a welcome packet. Okay, you've probably got your own list, good. But now you have a tab to keep track of it. And, and, and if you wanted a way to keep track of who's put it together and is it together and has it been given to the candidate. There's a things to say tab because we get asked that to help you with the regular contacts you'll be having between their acceptance of your offer and their start date. Mike's already told the story, previous casts and onboarding about the guy he hired and then he didn't talk to him, assuming he'd start at the start date and then he just didn't show up because, well, because the guy wasn't willing to honor his professional obligation, but uh, it could have been a very close thing where Mike could have stayed in touch with him and found out sooner that this guy was going to flake on him and maybe we needed to do something different. It's too bad we don't remember his name, Mike, so we could say it on air. Oh, I remember Say, it. Don't. Oh, okay. No, oh, I'm kidding. Of course. Of course. <laughs> I'm not going to mention we, we it. We wouldn't do that. No. How, how could I forget that name? <laughs> yeah. There's also a tour tab for you to capture places you need to show them in the first week. And again, if you're a licensee, it's already pre-populated with things you'll probably put on your tour. Wendy and I have been having conversations for quite a while with people about onboarding and what they do and what they have. We've looked at a bunch of other onboarding checklists, probably 50 or 75. 
and then coalesce them, aggregated them into one that we think is most useful. It's somewhat generic, but again, after one instance, actually prior to your first instance, you'll degenericize it. I think I just invented a word, degenericize, which is the same thing as customize. There's a paperwork tab with a starter list of paperwork you'll probably need to keep track of during the process. There's a policy procedure review tab with reminders of things you'll need to probably go over with your new hire that may very well be on a corporate checklist somewhere. And again, all of that is customizable. You just enter the stuff that you want to put in that stuff and you've got it. Now, let's go back to the core of this document, which is the checklist tab. In the admin section on the top, there's a very clear highlighted admin section at the top. You'll enter your candidate or new hire's name, the offer date, the acceptance date, and the start date, and then also the manager's name as well. Then underneath that, there are 250 plus rows of tasks, all with deadlines generated based on your entered dates from making that offer through roughly the first 90 days. If you remember from our previous onboarding cast, there are a series of phases you go through. The first phase is the closing phase between the time you make the offer and the the day the candidate accepts. Now, obviously, acceptance date, you wouldn't be able to enter in when you put in offer date. Uh, You would put in offer date, the spreadsheet would populate due dates, and then once they accept, you would put in the acceptance date, and that would then drive additional dates in the process. So I'm just going to give you a high-level example of tasks in the offer things. The first one is make the offer. And by the way, you get to click on a link in the thing that says click here for our guidance about how to make a job offer. There's a cast for that, trademark. Ask the candidate if they have the information required to make a decision. Inform the candidate of the deadline. And then in a series of reminders every three days, call, email, text the candidate for an update. Any questions? I'm eager to have you start want you to make a good decision. And now you can see maybe where the things to say tab comes from to help you start some of those conversations. Then there's also a bit that says, if the candidate declines, probe for a reason. And that date is essentially a certain number of days after the offer date, because there's some guidance in here. If you look at how to make an offer, it'll tell you, don't give them more than two weeks. That's the first phase. And that's all, And there are only about, what, six, eight steps in there? Hypothetically, if you gave somebody a month to make a decision, which would be a very bad idea, you'll still want to touch base with them every three days. It doesn't seem needy. It's you protecting your organization. Because the offer, if you know our history, if you know our cast, The true definition of an offer is when control passes from the company to the candidate. If I offer Mike a job, I can't at the same time offer it to someone else. Actually, I technically can, but it would be unethical and unprofessional. And so therefore we use the word can't. So I have to have Mike say no, or I have to call Mike and give him a deadline. This is a rookie manager mistake. They give an offer and they don't give a deadline. And now the candidate feels like I did a lot of hard work. Now I have the offer. I can sit on the offer, but that's not fair to the manager, to the candidate, or to the organization. So that's just the the first phase. The next phase, of course, is uh, the welcoming phase. And by the way, 
the dates associated with these tasks are not associated with the offer date, but rather with the acceptance date. So if the acceptance happens in one day versus 10 days, hypothetically, there would be a different series of dates for this phase of the checklist. But there are tasks in here like confirm the start date, notify your boss about acceptance, notify HR. And by the way, it doesn't say notify your boss, HR, and IT about the acceptance, because now if two out of three of those have been done, but not the third one, how would you mark that as red and green? That goes back to small tasks are the way to rule the world. The word and in a task, a delegable, assignable task is bad. And what we want here is deliverables and being in the process or being on the checklist makes them deliverables because if it's not marked as done, it's not done. And you want the task to be, I'm trying to think of the word unitary, meaning there's only one thing and either that thing is done or not done. So notify HR, notify your boss, notify the new hire of the HR point of contact, ask HR about relevant process changes, have the candidate sign an offer letter of contract or contract if it's required and report to you it's done. And hey, we've got a reminder in there, a photo of the document with their signature by text is probably fine. Even the lawyer will say, we need this document back. You can send them and say, look, you'll have it in a week or 10 days. Let's not pay for FedEx. It was free for me to text you a picture of their signature. And by the way, the picture of their signature is good in court. Not that it would ever go to court, but if lawyers are involved, isn't that part of the process? Anyway, request hardware. Okay. Now, some of you might say, oh, we don't do that that soon. Yeah, but some people do, and you can change the date of this one. The spreadsheet explains how to change a given date to move it so that it happens later in the process. Have a candidate sign an NDA. Communicate with your new hire about being available for questions. Encourage your team to reach out. Assign onboarding tasks to different people. You can add the name of the person you delegate any one of these tasks to, to the responsible column of the spreadsheet. It's out to the right of the date. And so you can quickly look and see who's done what and who hasn't. You can designate someone to be a coworker, a colleague, or a buddy of the new hire. I was just talking to some lawyers at General Motors, and they're creating a really cool. I was very impressed with their mentoring, a very grassroots mentoring program. And one of the things they're doing is buddy, just starting with a buddy process, somebody you can go to to ask a question of that isn't your boss and also doesn't outrank you by three layers that will cause you to not be able to get on their calendar. There's a first week, a new hire first week schedule, and we've got an example on the scheduling tab. There's a, you got to create the welcome packet and there's a welcome packet tab that you can click on and it'll go to that tab. Then you got to go back and clean up the hiring process, closing out online job requisitions, notifying your peers. Then we got to do all that registering new hire for system training and HR training and orientation training. I know this sounds crazy, guys, but you got to request a company car if it's required and personal storage and supplies and software and telecommunications and email setup and access to company network and an ID card and building access and levels of access and identify physical space and conference rooms that they have to have access to. Where they're going to sit? Where do I sit? How much do I get? When's lunch? When can I quit? You may need to check with the direct on how they like to be addressed for email versus training. Are they William or are they Bill? Or are they Billy? I mean, hypothetically. 
maybe you got to update online directories. You got to schedule them for visits to new departments. Maybe you've got to f- communicate a shift schedule to them. And don't assume that they learned it all in the two minutes that they asked the question of somebody in the interviewing process. Hey, tell me about the shift schedule. Oh, we do a standard rotating three by four, nine. And the candidate goes, oh, okay, great. No problem. And then privately, he's like, I don't know what that is, but I wasn't about to tell this guy, I don't know what that is. And the guy says, I told him what the shift schedule is, standard three by four, nine. Yeah, he didn't want to look like an idiot, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to get a job here. I'm supposed to be myself, but I'm supposed to be my smart self, right? Yeah, and then the manager tells us, well, why didn't he ask? I'm like, okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because he doesn't want to shoot himself in the face. I, yeah, I don't know. And then we've got reminders about staying in touch with them between the time they accept and the time they come to work. But there's plenty of other stuff to do. Schedule your team to have lunch with a new hire maybe on the first day or maybe a welcoming party when they first come in. You're probably going to end up creating an itinerary of what the first week looks like and you're going to want to send it to him or her, okay? What are your milestones? You Surely you could probably give them some rough milestones for the first year. What are the performance goals for her? Maybe before acceptance, during the welcoming phase after they've accepted, maybe there's some mandatory training that can be done in advance. Maybe you need to be thinking about what work product they're going to be working on, what assignments you can give them right away. Uh, Let's see, access to documents and folders and cloud stuff, and hopefully IT will teach them that. But if you're a small company, maybe not. And by the way, if you're a small company, don't assume this is only big company stuff. Don't make this up every time. Small companies, you've got plenty of stuff to be thinking about, like customers and cash. If you're thinking about those two things, it's probably good. And if you're trying to create a by-the-seat-of-your-pants onboarding process, you're going to do it poorly every time. You're never going to get better. Maybe you'll cut out 50 of these tasks, but you'll look really professional doing it. And that will cause you to recruit more professional people. Imagine your new hire, even if you're in a five-person company, saying to somebody, actually, it was pretty great. The guy stayed in touch with me every three days. He sent me some stuff to read. I felt like I was included in the team. I got to come to some meetings. I got to sit in on some things. We had some video conferences. I got my tech stuff in advance. I mean, I had somebody say once, well, we can't send them their stuff in advance because they don't work here yet. I'm like, dude, did you hire somebody you don't trust? I trust them. And if I ship them a laptop and they lose it or whatever, probably they won't have a whole lot of stuff on it if they're brand new. And you know what? If I'm worried about whether or not I can trust them with a laptop following our rules, I'm probably not going to hire them. Yeah, and if they steal the laptop, then yeah, good. Good, you just found out something that will save you a lot of money in the long term. Yeah. So there are probably departmental information and databases you need to update, dial-in details you need to send them. Maybe there are trips that need to be made for for house hunting. And then there's a whole bunch of staying in touch with texts and emails and phone calls uh, in the days between acceptance and first day on the job. And then you've got the start, you know, you're still in welcoming, but now you're, we're talking about stuff that happens, has to happen after the start date, welcoming them, picking up their badge, introducing them. All this stuff has to be done, introducing them to to their buddy. You want to hold your new hire first day meeting, which is a podcast. And yes, we've already done it and you can click on it. If you're a licensee, you want to give them an overview of the schedule for the first day in the first week. So they know what's going on. I don't know why that doesn't happen. 
I don't know why people don't give people a sense of what the schedule is in advance. The idea that a trainer stands in front of an audience all day and there's no posted agenda is ludicrous to me. You've got this, for most people, this free-floating anxiety about what's going to happen next and is it going to be valuable? And of course, that affects the perception of value that you're going through right now. And probably this is all day one stuff, right? Send a broadcast email out saying, okay, he's on board. Come by and say hi. He sits in desk A14 or whatever. Uh, you probably got a tour of the facility. So there's a tour tab for that. You probably want to take him to lunch. There's testing hardware and telecom and software and electronic access and instant messenger. You're probably going to want to check in throughout the day or at least once and say, hey, how you doing? Maybe on day two. You know, ask if they have any questions, check on paperwork. You got another meeting to have with them about telling the truth, which lo and behold, there's a link to. Uh, you want to introduce them to your boss, and then you're probably going to go over products and services and target market and competition, you know, review calendar of events, talk about what they're doing, uh, their meeting schedule. And again, we're asking them how they're doing again, and you'll hear that repeated. You'll see that repeated over and over and over again. And then you've got stuff in the first week, like setting up a training schedule and needs and gap analysis and goals for the first 30 days and 60 days and 90 days. That may feel like a burden to you, but that's so they can feel like they're accomplishing something. Maybe you want to discuss how work is allocated and routed around. There could be a meeting between you and them about personalities on the team. Maybe there are partners, key partners, uh, vendors, or customers or collaborators, colleagues that are important outside of the department. Maybe you're going to talk about performance standards. There may be job-specific training. You've got more first meetings with your new director to go over in terms of asking questions and relationships matter and being on time. At the end of the first week, you're going to want to ask them how they're doing, how the first week was, what the highs and lows are. And if you're smart on day one, say, I'm going to talk to you every day this week. And on Friday, we're going to sit down for just 15 minutes at the end of the day before you and I go home. And I'm going to expect you to tell me how the week went. And I don't want to hear fine. You're getting a great deal out of this because we created a process, a checklist. And I want to hear what worked and what didn't work. And it's okay. Because in 90 days, you'll stop doing that because it's politically unwise. And I want to hear what you liked. And compare it to previous situations that you got onboarded, what worked and what didn't work. Maybe in the first week or two, you're going to introduce them to customers or clients. Maybe they're outside partners, right, and contacts and so on. Maybe they do some basic process training and somebody else watches them, a buddy or somebody else who's a process expert, to say, yeah, okay, you got it. And I know this probably sounds beneath a director, and maybe it is, but if a director had an admin, you'd probably want the admin sitting there explaining this kind of stuff to them. It's not always as simple as, oh, just light up Outlook and your email will fill up. Maybe you want to ask the new hire's buddy how the new hire is doing. Maybe you'll talk to them about questions they have on day one. And not, or, I'm sorry, in the, in the days ahead. And this goes on and on and on. Assess your progress, introducing increasingly complex projects as a reminder and so on. Many of you will call this down. Some of you will leave all of it and see what works and what doesn't work. But it goes on and on and on for the first 90 days. And after the first week, you're going to start holding a one-on-one -on -one with your new hire every week. And in the first 90 days, those one-on-ones are part of 
a related part of, but a unique part of their onboarding process. Yes, it's a one-on-one and it's part of the onboarding process. And so we've got a bunch of steps in here about holding a one-on-one with your, with your new hire. And so you might say, well, gee, there's not actually 278 tasks. Yeah, each one of those one-on-ones is a task. That's how the theory of tasks and deliverables works in organizations. And in 90 days, how many are we talking about? We're talking about 12. But that's an important step in the process. And, and hopefully in the last 30 days of the onboarding process, it doesn't feel tactical. It doesn't feel administrative. It doesn't feel operational. It feels relational. It feels like you're, again, standing on the shoulders of someone else, and they're reaching effectiveness much, much faster. And in the last steps, we've got the hot wash that we're going to, to do and make some notes about what changes we're going to make. If you're smart, you'll have somebody in the room. I think I already said this, sorry, making real-time changes to a clone of the spreadsheet, and then that becomes the new spreadsheet. The next time you do this, You'll copy all the formatting from this tab onto another tab, and you'll put a new person's name on the top. It's that easy. It's pretty cool. I just wish I had this spreadsheet like 30 years ago. Where were you? Why? How come? Yeah, no, yeah. Well, look, I didn't have it 30 years ago either. We both went through the same process. And it's, it's too bad because management has evolved in the last 50 years to the point where this should have been available 30 years ago. Now- We benefit enormously from the ubiquity and speed of digital tools. But guys, if you're listening to a podcast and you've never met Mike nor I, that should be a reminder to you of the shoulders of giants all of us are standing on and take advantage of it, Uh, particularly when it comes to probably the least taught but most important part of your job if you're a manager, and that's managing others to get the most out of them. It's all about results. Yeah, had I known this, I would have said, hey, dude, let's come up with a spreadsheet. And uh, well, it wouldn't be a spreadsheet because you couldn't buy. I mean, it might have been a Lotus 123 spreadsheet. I guess, yeah, it could have been Lotus. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, let's put yeah. it on a BBS and people can dial up with their 120 baud yeah. modem <laughs> to download it. Yeah, you mentioned Lotus. I presented at Harvard Business School in the in the classroom that is commemorated with a plaque. I think it's Dan Bricklin, right? Mm-hmm. Who invented it. And the, a, a little drawing that he made during the class is sketched below the plaque that says Dan Bricklin invented. I think it actually says the first killer app, which was the spreadsheet on this classroom on a certain date. Um, I'm sure there are people listening right now that says, what? You had a career before there was email? But yes, we did. And we picked up the phone and called people. Cool. Dude, this is excellent. Yeah, I hope people find this very useful. I'm sure they will. Yeah, I think a checklist like this makes your job as a manager easier, and it makes your results better, and they get faster, better over time. You can customize it to make it even better, and you get to sleep peacefully the next time you hire somebody. And you're not trying to juggle 100 tasks that are constantly falling out of your head all the time. Why wouldn't you want to do it? It's a self-licking ice cream cone. Okay, my friend. Enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you, partner. All right. Take care. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you next week. Have a great one. 